I'm going to bring a word today that I think is part of the DNA of this house, and I hope to describe to you something that's very important to my heart and to all of our hearts as followers of the Lord Jesus Christ. But before we do that, let's just pray. Father God, we come in the name of your son, Jesus. We welcome you, Holy Spirit, to impact our lives today. We pray, Lord, you would take of your word and you would just bring it into our hearts. Lord, we say today that our hearts are ready, that we are good soil to receive what you want to plant inside of us. Lord, we're ready for change. We're ready for transformation. We're ready to grow in God and to bring glory with these lives. So we ask your presence to be here with us now in the name of Jesus. Amen. I'm continuing on our theme of the king and his cause. And Jesus is our king and he has a cause and a purpose for us in the earth as his church. He has a purpose for all of mankind. And it's God's will that none should perish but that all should come to repentance and come to the saving knowledge of Jesus Christ. We have a mission. And it started back over 2,000 years ago when Jesus had many followers while he was on earth. But at one point, he, the things changed. And he took those that, from the multitudes that followed him, and he chose 12 to be with him. You know, people followed Jesus for a variety of reasons, maybe from their own neediness. Maybe they wanted to see the miracles. Maybe they hoped that at last he was the deliverer that would free them from Roman rule and Herod's oppression. They hoped for a lot, and they had a lot of different reasons. People follow Jesus today for a lot of different reasons, too. And we might recognize ourselves in some of the things that we see here today. But when Jesus chose that small group, he chose them to be with him but it was to be with him for a purpose because being with him was to prepare them to represent him and to go out into the earth and do as he did, to be as Jesus to the world that they were to impact. And so those called out ones were the sent out ones. And it was a tall order that he called them to do. I'll just read the list. Now you do it. Heal the sick, raise the dead, cast out demons, heal the leper, Okay, just go do that, right? I like uh, the theologian N.T. Wright, and he he tells the story about when he was uh, in his youth, and he had always been the passenger, and now it was his turn to actually get behind the steering wheel himself, and he was a little bit nervous about getting to where he was supposed to go. And his mother said, that's silly. You've been there hundreds of times. You know how to get there. Well, to his embarrassment... He was lost within five miles of leaving home and had to ask directions from there. And then he said this, there's all the difference in the world between sitting in a car while someone else makes the decisions about which road to take and doing it yourself. Well, Jesus has called us to do it ourselves. There, is a, there has to be a change from just being with him, coming to him for our salvation. As Dale, you so well expressed, you really set this message up for me. Coming to that place where we are justified, we receive salvation. But then there's that process, that in-between thing called sanctification, where we become more and more like Jesus, where that salvation gets worked out in our lives. And we be able to represent him to our world because he's working in us and through us. So that's exciting stuff. But you know, some people stop me from that point. 
They just, I'm saved, I've got my ticket to heaven, that's it, that's enough. Well, not in this church. We're not going to leave you there. We're not going to let you stay still. We're going to invite you to come as you are, but we're going to move you forward in the things of God, and we're going to challenge you to grow in God and be all that he has called you to be. I would call another title for this, I would call this Totally Committed Followers of the Lord Jesus Christ or Imaginations Church 101. In America, when you go to university, have a tertiary education, all the entry-level classes are in the 100s. They give numbers. So this is 101. This is where we begin. And we have to begin somewhere, don't we? And so there is a heart and a reason why we exist. We have a mission statement as a church. Some of you may know it off by heart, but I'm going to read it, and it will come up on the screen. We exist to turn non-Christians into totally committed followers of the Lord Jesus Christ. And we're commissioned to bring the gospel to everyone, everywhere. And this is how the kingdom of God advances. When we bring the gospel to everyone, everywhere, we punch holes in darkness. And we allow for the light of God to come through into people's hearts. We believe that lives can definitely be changed by the power of Jesus Christ. There is power in the blood of Jesus. There is forgiveness of sins. There is deliverance from demonic forces. There is a renewing power of the Holy Ghost and the Word of God cleansing us and changing us. We can change. We can be different. There is hope. Hallelujah. So, you might be ready to take a next step. And if you are, we want to help you do that. We want to point you in the right direction. We have a church that we have foundations. We have ways to teach you. You can go online and find some of the things that will give you the basics. We will bring you to the place you need to go. Um, And we'll give you opportunities for service to grow in God, maybe even be on a leadership track. There's a good structure here for doing that. And as, as pastors and leaders, we stand behind you trying to bring you to that place of growth. But there's only so much we can do. There's only so much we can do because for each one of us, pastors, leaders alike, we all have to make that purposeful decision to follow Jesus Christ, to be a totally committed follower of Jesus Christ. No one can do that for you. That, and it's, a, it's kind of a sad statement if we have to be pushed and prodded all the time because we have to take that personal responsibility. So I read to you our mission statement. And just this week I was cleaning out a cupboard and I found some of my old journals. This one was from 2009. And I don't know what mood I was in, but maybe I was a little discouraged. And I said, sometimes I think our mission statement has become a little bit watered down. So I'm going to put up what is not our mission statement. See if you can catch the difference. It reads, we exist to turn Christians into totally committed followers of the Lord Jesus Christ. Did you spot the difference? Not non-Christians into totally committed followers, but right now we just have to try to get Christians to be totally committed followers of the Lord Jesus Christ. Oh me, oh my. (laughs) Grown, grown, grown. There's a personal responsibility where we enter in, where there is some effort that we want to follow Jesus and we have to do something to do that. We have to shake off complacency as I preached a few weeks ago. And we don't need to necessarily have someone push and prod us along the way. We have our own motivation. Why? Because we serve the Lord God. We love Jesus. Philippians chapter 3, verse 11 through 12. I'll read the words of Paul. So whatever it takes... 
I will be the one who lives in the fresh newness of life of those who are alive from the dead. I don't mean to say I am perfect. I haven't learned all I should even yet, but I keep working toward that day when I will finally be all that Christ saved me for and wants me to be. So what are we headed to do? We want to be all that Christ saved me for and he wants me to be. So think about that for yourself. Do you know what that is? Maybe that's something to go away and think about a little bit. So we are disciples, disciplined ones, ones that the cross has settled our salvation, but we are ones now that work out that salvation in our life. So what does it look like to be a totally committed follower of the Lord Jesus Christ? Well, there are many, many words and many things we could go on for weeks talking literally, but I've just taken down to three words today that we're going to examine. They are the words follow, train, and present. Follow, train, and present. Let's look at the first one, the word follow. And what comes to mind is the imagery that Jesus used and so often through the Old and New Testament of that of a shepherd and the flock of sheep. It's such a perfect example for those in um, the time of Christ and living in Israel. And where I grew up, we didn't ever see sheep. But when I moved here, I see sheep everywhere. So we definitely have the idea of what a sheep what sheep do and what a shepherd does for them. And the sheep are to follow the shepherd. And Jesus said of himself in John chapter 10, verse 3 through 5, he calls his own sheep by name and leads them out. When he has brought all his own outside, he goes ahead of them. The sheep follow him because they recognize his voice. They will never follow a stranger. Instead, they will run away from him because they don't recognize the voice of strangers. So sheep are kind of timid creatures, and I've been told they're not really that intelligent, but they can know. Can can I talk to New Zealand down here on the front row to tell me? (laughs) Is that true? (laughs) That they they need to be led, and they need to know the voice of the, the particular shepherd so that they can follow. And so we don't need to be insulting to our intelligence, but we need to be led. And we need to know the, the shepherd's voice, and we need to, to know that. And so the first thing we see in this verse, he says, he calls his own sheep by name. Did you know that? What a shepherd. And he knows you by name. He knows you as an individual, but he doesn't consider us just as individuals alone, solitary beings. He considers us as the flock So that's the importance of being together as in the family of God, being in a local community of believers. You are part of the flock of God, and that's how he pastors us, and that's how he leads us. So it says also in this same, uh, you've got that up on the screen, yeah, that he goes ahead of them and leads them out. Isn't that wonderful to know that we serve the God who goes ahead of us, so we don't have to falter and try to figure it out. We just need to follow. We just need to listen for his voice, and we need to follow, and he leads us out. And we don't need to fear tomorrow because he's already there. He knows your past, he knows your presence, and he knows what is ahead. And also we see in this verse that sheep recognize his voice, the shepherd's voice, and they reject the voice. They run away, literally, from the voice of a stranger. And you know, today, more than any other time on earth, we are exposed to so many voices, aren't we? 
you have media coming at you and a million miles an hour coming at you and so many things. It's a, not a political comment, but we even have a referendum called The Voice. We have so many things that speak into our lives. We need to be discerning as believers. We need to listen for the shepherd's voice. We need to not listen to every voice that comes along, especially a voice that could be a voice of deception or confusion. Sometimes it's whoever has the microphone gets to speak the loudest. But do they actually deserve the microphone? Do they, whatever, it's a media or whatever it is, we have a whole thing called influencers on the internet now. You can be famous because you're an influencer. How did you get to be that? Well, so many people liked your podcast or follow your podcast. So so the influencers have followers. Do you see a parallel between Jesus and his flock? We have influencers with followers. We have Christ, our good shepherd, and his sheep that should follow. So let's discern the voices that we are listening to and what we allow to speak into our lives. You know, something that I've learned is just don't check your phone in the news first thing in the morning. And someone said that I was reading this said, do not invite the inner critic to awaken. Isn't that something? You know, if you listen to a lot of critical, a lot of commentary, things like that, it awakens an inner critic within you. And that's just a sidebar, but take it if you want. Okay. So be aware of the voices. Let's hear the voice of the shepherd. In John 10, verse 27, it says, My sheep hear my voice. I know them and they follow me. My sheep hear my voice. Isn't he saying the same thing again? Well, we have to understand it in the context of Jewish thought. Because Jewish thought is not just having auditory input into your ears to say that you heard. It's more like the word listen. And it's listen with a follow-on. It's a listen with an intent to understand and to obey what I have heard. It's not just information, see if I like it, see if I don't. No, it's listen, hear his words, hear his voice with the intent to follow on, to obey, to act upon what he said. So that's a totally different concept, isn't it? We can hear sound all the time. We can hear words all the time. But when we hear the words of Jesus... That's where we're to act upon them with intent to obey it. Changing the metaphor from the sheep, uh, Luke 6, 46 through 49. I'll just read the first part. It says, why do you call me Lord, Lord, and don't do the things I say? This is Jesus speaking. I will show you what someone is like who comes to me, hears my words, and acts on them. So he was referring just exactly what I said. You hear my words, and you don't act on them. So what's the point of listening if we don't act on them? When we open the Bible every day, when we read the Word of God, when it speaks to us, what do we do with it? Do we go, okay, got ticked the box, I read my Bible. Or do we go, Lord, what are you saying to me? What am I supposed to do here with this? What does this mean to me? What, what should change? So getting back to the Word, verse 46, the man who hears my words and acts on them. He's like a man building a house who dug and went deep and laid the foundation on the rock. And when the flood came, the river crashed against that house and couldn't shake it because it was well built. I like Luke's version where he said, he dug deep. He went down to bedrock. He didn't just build on the sand. It would be easy to build on the sand. It's just there, put something up like happened to the other man. But we need to dig deep. 
We need to allow the Holy Spirit to dig deep in our lives and get down to that bedrock of truth that actually changes it. And so obedience, that's, that's a good word. Obedience is a good word. And that is how we build a strong life. And Jesus said, when he comes to me, hears my word, acts on them. That means a, a succession. We come to him. We listen to his word with the intent to obey and we act upon it. That's how you build a good, strong life. That is a fresh start. That's how you get going in God. Dig deep. The second word I listed here is the word train. Training is a biblical concept, and again, throughout the Old and New Testament. And I want to give credit to a pastor whose name I don't know that is at the Church of the Highlands in the United States. But he gave this contrast, and I'll share it with you. He said, there's a difference between training and trying. And too many people try Jesus, try Christianity, try to have a devotional life, try to serve the Lord, and trying has innately within it kind of a pass-fail, or if I don't like it or it doesn't work, I'll quit. Well, that's not the way to grow in God. That's not the way to move forward in the things of God. We, are, we don't just try to be Christians. We train. We train as Christians. We train in God. And if, if it didn't work this time, we, tr- we train some more. Think about like an athlete. Think about um, a marathon runner. They don't just rock up one day and pay their money and put on the T-shirt and say, I'm going to try a marathon. Well, that'd be pretty stupid, wouldn't it? Because they'd be out in the first 5Ks or whatever it is. So, no, you train to do a marathon. You train sometimes a whole year to do a marathon. And you start with doing a 10K or a 5K before you ever try to do or attempt to do. I shouldn't use that word try. Attempt to do a marathon. And it's the same way with God. We don't go from newborn in Christ to full-blown mature overnight But I'll tell you, some people do grow faster in God than others. Why? Because they're training. They're taking what they hear and they're applying it to their life and they're getting on with going on with God. They're not sitting there wasting time, but they want to be all that God has called them to be and do. 1 Timothy 4, 7 and 8 says, have nothing to do with godless myths and old wives' tales. Rather, train yourself to be godly. For physical training is of some value, but godliness has value for all things, holding promise for both the present life and the life to come. So this is how we can be all that Christ has called us to be. We are training for the king and for his cause. And training for godliness is a process. It's it's not overnight, like I said, but it's over time. And that means sometimes you will have some failures and success. Okay, get up and do some more. Sometimes you'll have some ups and downs. That's all part of the progress. That's all part of it, because even if your progress is very little, anybody ever tried to lose weight? (laughs) Hallelujah. (laughs) My people. (laughs) You know, and and I'm I'm doing that. I'm presently there. But, you know, for like the last couple weeks, the same thing. I I shake the the scales. It must be stuck. But... (laughs) It's just the same thing. But long as it's not going up, it's, you know, we want to go down. So anyway, I digress, but it takes time. And don't get discouraged. You're in training. It takes time to get rid of old habits, old mindsets, old ways of doing things. 
takes time for stuff to fall off of you. Sometimes, though, the more we want it, the quicker it will happen. I think that's true. We grow in the character of Jesus Christ. We're all about Christian character in this church. In fact, we have a section of our discipleship essentials. You can go on the website and you can read that lesson. The character of Christ is to be shown through our lives. It matters. It matters how we act and how we act 24-7 inside church, outside of church, in our homes, at our workplace, down at the grocery store. It matters that we be Jesus. We be like Jesus. And what else trains us? God's word. God's word trains us. It's probably the best training manual you can ever have for your life. 2 Timothy 3, 16 and 17 says, All scripture is given by inspiration of God and is profitable for doctrine, for reproof, for correction, for instruction in righteousness, that the man of God may be complete, thoroughly equipped for every good work. So instruction, as as it's defined in uh, the original languages, means a whole person training. It's all of us, spirit, soul, and body. And it's a cultivation of the mind, the morals, and it employs commands and admonitions and reproofs and correcting mistakes, curbing passions with the aim of increasing virtue in our life. That's a kind of an expanded version to understand that this is what the word of God can do for you. It is whole person training of our lives. So that means we have to read it, don't we? We have to read it. The Message Bible puts it this way. Every part of the scripture is God-breathed and useful one way or another, showing us truth, exposing our rebellion, correcting our mistakes, training us to live God's way. Through the word, we are put together and shaped up for the tasks God has for us. So here's some tips to help you train with the word of God. First of all, read it, but read it slowly. Don't try to race through it, just like I mentioned, to tick the box and say, I did that. Even, you know, slow down. If you feel, a, you know, in a kind of a, uh, I don't want to have to read that whole chapter every day and tick the boxes on that little thing I printed off. Well, slow down. Read 10 verses and really chew on it. Really think about it. And when you read it, can I suggest if it's appropriate where you are, read it out loud because there's something about your ears hearing it and going back into your mind. And it just really helps you ruminate, to meditate, to get into the word of God. And that's the second thought, to, to think about it, meditate on it. What does this mean? What does it mean? What did it mean to them? But what does it mean to me now? How do I apply this to my life? And can I add another step? Submit to it. Submit to it. Be in agreement with God's word. Sometimes you read things like, I don't like that. (laughs) Don't admit that and raise your hand with me, but it's true. And it might be correcting you or telling you to change something in your life. Well, submit to it. Go, okay, this is painful, but I submit to this, the Holy Spirit. And then finally, apply it. Push past whatever that is and apply it to your life and let change happen. So living for Jesus uh, is a, a lifelong process. And sometimes life itself, as you live for him, the experience of your life, that will train you too. Have you ever learned some life lessons? Yes, amen. And it's how that we respond to them and that we don't just react or give up or quit, but that we grow, that we process through the painful episodes, the difficult episodes, that we take some time to be a little introspective and go, what am I feeling here? What's going on inside of me? And how do I experience change and transformation rather than bitter or 
you know, wounded or some people limp their whole lives through and cannot get past a thing. How about we grow from it? How about we gain something from it and, and be more intimately acquainted with Jesus and have the comfort of the Holy Spirit in our most painful days? You know, let's get on with it. Let's let life teach us too and let Jesus teach us through what we experience. And I always like to work in here very quickly. I'm mindful. Oh, my, it's only 920. Oh, I could go a while here then. Thank you. That's so good. (laughs) Philippians chapter 4. I just love, there is so much in that chapter. I I say, I should just memorize it because it just speaks to me all the time. 4 verses 10 through 13. Paul's talking about how he's gone through some hard times, but oh, how he loved the Philippian church. And I think they were his favorite. He loved all the churches, but I think they were his favorite because they, they just were not hard to pastor. <laughs> and they met his need when nobody else would meet his need. And so he's talking to them and saying, thank you for that, but I'm okay. And so he said, but I rejoiced in the Lord greatly that now at last your care for me has flourished again, though you surely did care, but you lacked opportunity. Not that I speak in regard to need for... Here's the first phrase. I have learned in whatever state I am to be content. And then the second phrase. I know how to be abased. That means to live humbly. I know how to abound, to live in prosperity. Everywhere in all things I have learned both to be full and to be hungry. These are life lessons, right? Paul's learning through life lessons. Both to abound and to suffer need. And I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. We love to quote that last verse. Verse 13, I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. We jump to that, but we actually have to understand there's a process. Hopefully that's a good verse in an emergency situation when something gets tough, but in most situations of life, there is this process of learning. I learn. I I don't know how to do that. I don't know how to process that part of life well. I don't know how to respond in the right way, but I'm going to learn. And Paul learned. He learned how to be hungry. And he'd been a Pharisee, a rich man. He never knew hunger, but now he did as an apostle, as a missionary. He knew hunger and he learned how to live that way. And then he also uh, knew how to do it once he learned how. And because he learned and because he knew how, he could do. And so can you. And so can I. And then the last word, as I have another hour to go, is the word present. Present, And I'm going to use this in two ways. The first one is that you present yourself to God every day. Start your day presenting yourself to God, positioning yourself. Another word we could say is show up. I'm not ducking out. I'm not hiding. I'm not um, trying to get out of this thing called living for Jesus. I show up. I present myself, Lord, I am yours today. I'm yours. I'm not my own. I've been bought with a price, the precious blood of Jesus. I can do no less than to show up and say, God, use me for your glory. Further your kingdom with my life. Use me in great ways or use me in the smallest ways. Do you want me to wash someone's feet? Do you want me to stay in the shadows? Or do you want me to stand out the front and proclaim? Whatever it is, God, use me. I show up. I present myself to you. 
And finish every day with gratitude for the Lord, to the Lord, for what he's done for you. You know, in the Jewish tradition, if you read the book of Genesis, it says the evening and the morning were the first day. Not the morning and the evening. The evening and the morning were the first day. So we start our day by when we lay our heads on our pillows at night. So what a better way than to start the day with gratitude, a refreshing of the Holy Spirit, ready so when you wake up in the morning, you could say, here I am, Lord. Use me again for your glory. Present yourself to God. Romans 12, 1, you, you know so well. Therefore, brothers, by the mercies of God, I urge you to present your bodies as living sacrifice, holy and pleasing to God. This is your spiritual worship. Do not be conformed to this age, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind so that you may discern what is the good, pleasing, and perfect will of God. And then lastly, I want to talk about being present with God's people. I'm so glad you're here today. And I'm so glad that today we experience the presence of God, presence of one another, and the presence of God is unmistakable And it can't be imitated in any other way. There's not a substitute. There is not a substitute. We live in this amazing digital age where we can, I can listen to Craig Rochelle and Stephen Furtick and all my favorite preachers, but I'm not in their church and I'm not part of their flock. I just listen to their words. In other words, I consume the content and it's good content and I enjoy it, but it's not like being with our people, with God's people with the place where God has planted me, to be in a local community of believers, that is irreplaceable. And, and there's, there's things that could substitute, but that they're just substitutes. Yep. Amen. Kathy, you are a silver saint. I talked with her last week. She was out in the foyer. She arrived in the taxi, and she no longer drives, so she gets a taxi and comes. And I was commending her for the effort she makes to get here. And she said, I wouldn't miss it. I watch online if I'm not, I'm not well, but it's just not the same. <laughs> Amen. Amen. Those are her words. It's just not the same. And it's true. I can remember. And, and, I'm not, and if you're watching online, welcome. Hallelujah. <laughs> but you know, it's not the same because you, you, you kind of can get into this spectator kind of mode. And, and I experienced that last year when I hurt my back and I couldn't actually even walk for about three weeks. And so I couldn't come to church. I couldn't hardly walk across to the kitchen. And so I watched online, and I noticed that I, I soon started to just sip my coffee, and, you know, I watched. I didn't, I wasn't, I was watching. It was good. It was good to watch. It was good to see you. But it wasn't the same. It's just not the same. So I'm not trying to be hard on anybody, and we all have reasons and different reasons. I learned recently that in the U.S. they did an analysis of church attendance, and this is shocking, so get ready to be shocked. In the last 30 years, church attendance has declined from people that used to regularly attend church. 40 million people no longer attend church. Yeah, that's incredible. You know, our population of our whole nation times two, (laughs) right? No longer attend church. And the reasons were reasons such as um, it's my only day off. Uh, My kids have sport and we got to go and do that. Um, I just don't see the value in needing to come anymore. I can 
listen to podcasts. I read my Bible. I'm still a Christian. Um, we moved. And we just never connected with another church. We just never did it. And so we just got out of the habit and we don't go. And there's all kinds of reasons. And there will always be reasons. But are they good reasons? So I just say if it's physically possible to come and attend a church, then be a part of the community. I just say it because it's the best thing for you. It's the best habit you could ever have. We used to say when someone became a Christian, what do you do? Read your Bible, pray, come to church. Those three things. That, that'll get you started right there. And, you know, that worked for a really long time <laughs> until the digital age came along. But we're better together. We're, we're, we're not meant to be scattered here, there, and everywhere. There's nothing like the, what, how about that worship today? Amen. Was that just feeling, Dale, I know you were overwhelmed coming up there because we felt that. And you don't feel that in a remote way. Pastor Craig Rochelle, who I mentioned, uh, pastor of Life Church, a fantastic, one of the largest churches in America, and himself a prolific podcaster, and, you know, he's constantly giving content to our world. He said this, do not reduce church to listening to a podcast. It's so much more than that. It's community. It's worshiping with others. It's praying for others. It's hurting with others, serving others, being involved in the lives of others. And that's what we get when we show up, when we're present. I'm going to invite the worship team to come up because I want them to sing again that song, Worthy of It All. And uh, after we sing, I'm going to pray for us. But as they come, think about Thomas and that very important meeting that he missed when Jesus turned up. You know, we don't want to miss out on anything that God has for him. And I just love worshiping with God's people. I love hearing the amen in the house. I, today, I just loved hearing your voices sing together. When we sang, How Great Thou Art, I walked over to Nathan and I said, Do you hear that? Can you hear that? There's nothing like it. There's nothing like it. We can't, we can't have a substitute for it. So let's not be content consumers. We're the body of Christ. We're the church of the living God. And we need to boldly be a visible representation of God's people in our city. Not just something ambiguous, but here as a group of people together united around a purpose.